for listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Solo Show, the one and only, the almighty one, talking about this week in wrestling with his hand on his dick. Just kidding. Free hands. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to talk about this week. AEW Dynamite had another wonky fucking ref move. Uh, on top of some other things that some people on Twitter f- thought was a little bit offensive. We'll go into that. WWE's Royal Rumble matches uh, were are still highly considered some of the best Royal Rumble matches of all time. If not the best, according to some. And we'll talk about the agents who booked those matches. Uh, Raw and SmackDown seem to have made a little bit of a flip. I'll discuss what that is. And WWE's NXT counterpart to the AEW Dynamite had some... Fun this week. We'll get into all of that and more this week as we break, break the ring down. Woo! You don't know what our times are, Daddy. The cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Hey, this is professional wrestler and professional podcaster Colt Boom Boom Cabana. My name is Killer Cross. This is the Smoke Show, Scarlet Bordeaux. What's up, guys? Death Machine, Brian Cage. This is Ryan from Pro Wrestling Tees. Sadly, you are not listening to The Art of Wrestling, but you made a decent choice because you're listening. You are now listening to... And you're listening... And you're listening to... You listen to Breaking Down the Ring. 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 Bring it down. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the most inappropriate pro wrestling show in the motherfucking world. You're listening to Breaking Down the Ring. I am your ring crew, the almighty one, Mikey himself. Everyone else has the AIDS. It really sucks. Uh, Hopefully they can all make it back and live their best lives. But currently they all have the AIDS. I'm so sorry for them. I hope they all make it. Uh, I have two cans of pop, a Coca-Cola, and a Mountain Dew. Sponsor us. And I will be getting on with this show. Obviously, hearing me talk for two hours is probably going to be fucking annoying to you because I have the worst opinions on this show. But, 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 who cares? Uh, I honestly, I don't think this show will go the full two hours if it's just me because I will side cast so much to myself that it'll probably go three hours. That's true. Anyway, let's get this shit cracking after I take a little bit of a sip. Ah, that was the red can. Now, um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit last week. If you guys uh, were listening that <clears throat> we've kind of fallen off. The AEW train and uh, making it a must-watch weekly thing for us. Even though we do a wrestling show, it barely comes up because there's so much going on with things like NWA Power, Impact, you know, and of course, you know, the main biggest show that's pulling everything in WWE's Raw and SmackDown. Even New Japan has had more of a, an appearance on our show 
than All Elite Wrestling. And that's not to knock All Elite Wrestling. We're not honestly trying to be like, oh, this is the worst one, because it's not. Um, but, I mean, because if, if I had to compare AEW to recent episodes of SmackDown or Raw, we'll be at the beginning of the year. I, Raw was always right there at the fucking bottom. AEW was not the worst product that we were watching. But it was the most inconsistent. And if there's anything we ever spoke about as a show is we wanted the consistencies to kick in. We wanted everything to stay to a point where we could watch it and understand everything top to bottom. It made sense. It was something like that. So that being said, we kind of fell away from watching it and talking about it because it was becoming more of a bitch fest rather than a praise for the good things that they were doing. AEW has really good match quality. AEW has high quality stars. Chris Jericho, who is probably one of, honestly, the one of the best things in wrestling now. You know, if not the best wrestling champion out there. So, talking about AEW usually falls into the the uh, the negative, right? Between us, especially me, because I'm like, God damn it, I just want you to get it right. I want you guys to be something I can watch and go, fuck yeah, every time. And it seems that it is every time I go to watch it, it's like, fuck. Yeah, I'm kind of done with this again. And this week is no exception. Because, again, one of the main things that we have talked about is the inconsistency in the referees for AEW. And during the eight-man tag match of the elite of Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, your AEW Tag Team Champions, and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. Oh, I, why the fuck are they still heel? I, and I say that with major quotations. The fucking Lucha Bros are more over than almost anything in that fucking promotion. And yet they're the bad guys. Okay. And that's something I bitch about, uh, for WWE people. I don't understand why you're pushing these people as heels when some people as heels when obviously they're over. But anyway, I digress. There was a moment in the closing, uh, there was a minute in the closing moments of this match where I, I can't honestly remember who had the pin. Um, so someone had the pin and the ref just stopped the count because something didn't happen. And then they kind of went into the final thing, right? And then that m- moment hit. Uh, I believe it was, uh, um, Something about the knee, uh, something that happened. And, but, but the bottom line is, uh, Pentagon, uh, delivered the Penta driver and got the win, right? But that didn't happen yet. So the ref had stopped his count at two and no one was, it was just like, what the fuck is going on here, ladies and gentlemen? This is a, this is a professional wrestling thing where you're discrediting your referees almost consistently. Anytime I watch this show, something goes wrong with ref. Rather with, well, God, I can't talk. And it sucks because it's solo Mikey today. I'm going Han Solo, boys. Um, the referees are always being discredited, whether it be somebody hitting somebody that's in the match. That's not somebody not in the match is hitting somebody that's in the match right in front of a referee and a referee doesn't make call for a disqualification. I have seen a referee stop a th- stop a three count now twice, right? No one moved. It's, it's we're goddamn ridiculous. I want AEW to become a very credible wrestling organization. I want all elite wrestling to have consistencies to where on the good side. This 
making referees look bad is becoming consistent in a bad way. You don't want to do that. If you're, I'm still, if you can't keep these refs looking like bumbling idiots for the most part, I, I guess I can't say for the most part. You can't have the consistently, like at least once a fucking show to where it is becoming a distraction from what's going on in the ring. One of, uh, we've had a couple referees on here, uh, referee Brandon Toll. I was like, man, what's one of the things to master about being a ref? And he said, the thing you want to do as a referee is be there, but not be there, not be a focal point of a match. Be something that is nowhere near instrumental unless it's called for that, unless there's a ref bump, unless there's a uh, ref fucks up and quotes on purpose. The referee is just there to make sure everything is going according to plan, calling rules as they go, making counts, make counting pinfalls, saying yes, this person submitted or no, this person didn't submit. That is what a referee is supposed to do. And more and and quite often now in an AEW ring, a referee is made to look stupid because of something that's not going on in a match. If that referee would have count, called three right there, okay, but he didn't, and now it's some now it's a focal point, it's a talking point, it's something that once again is being brought up, and it's making me as a fan go, oh, damn it. And I want, again, I want to be a fan of AEW. I want to be the biggest AEW mark there is, but I can't because at some point some there's going to be some sort of disqualification and the whole fucking world's going to explode. And that's not going to be good for AEW. Another thing that happened on AEW Dynamite this week is something that I can speak of as going on. But I can't speak of to what this offensive nature someone thought of this. So it's been pushed for weeks now that Cody was receiving 10 lashes from arguably the greatest fucking heel in the business, MJF. For weeks, it was announced when it would happen. And it happened this Wednesday, February 5th. And, you know, the segment was like a wrestling match. It was built like it, like it started off where... Uh, the heel was trying to go over on the face. The face was looking too strong and then started the heels. The heel started taking over. And then at the end, when everyone came out and every, everything, you know, uh, the heel was standing tall. And then the, I mean, the baby face was kind of standing tall. And then the heel was like, ha ha, fuck you. And then ran off. Um, but someone on Twitter, I can't remember the username, uh, during this, uh, tweeted out, y'all really doing this? During Black History Month. And my first thought was, huh? And then I was like, oh. 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 Now, regardless of the amount of preparation that was put into this, talk of these lashes coming, I can't, I'm not going to say anybody should not have felt dis- not disrespected, uh, offended, by this because I can't tell you how to feel man I can't it's not my it's not my point is it can I have an opinion that you might be reaching a little bit or can I have an opinion that okay yeah you're totally right sure I can have those opinions and what is my opinion on that personally 
I feel it was a small reach. Um, I can see where it all came from. I'm not going to say that person is wrong. I'm not going to say if there's anyone else offended by this, they're wrong. I'm saying that when it's when it's like this, when it's two white dudes, right, um, and one's beating the other one, it's man. If this is Scorpio Sky taking those lashes, hundred percent. One fucking hundred percent at any time. I don't care if it was February or not. I'd be like, oh, guys, that is. But it wasn't. It was it was it was Cody Rhodes, the big dog in the company. Right. So it's like the the guy who's the face of the the ultimate. um, Like the only people above him are the cons. Right. You have Cody Rhodes, your top guy. As far as your executive vice president, he is your boss, the the boss, and he's being beaten by an underling, right, in with a strap. So it's not like there is even a hierarchy uh, similarity to pull, pushing that, right? You have the guy who I, I guess is like a heel Austin versus a face McMahon, right, is what this is, and the heel Austin is beating up his boss. It's not like somebody is on the undercarriage of this being beaten uh, by their boss. I that would I would believe would be more towards the, you know, you're really doing this during Black History Month. But again, that's my opinion as a white dude, man. I don't fucking know. Uh, I don't know shit. I know how I grew up, and I grew up as the only white kid in East Side of Detroit. You know, I was the only white kid in my high school, so I've seen all of this stuff play out. So I can never go. I think you're fucking wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're allowed to have your own opinion and I will never tell you your opinion is wrong in a racial thing, but I will give my opinion and rebuttal if I think something different. And that's why I think it's different. You had the, you didn't have uh, a boss beating up a younger uh, person below them. You had the person below them beating up a boss, giving 10 lashes to a boss. And not only that, it was something that had been talked about for weeks. It didn't just happen out of nowhere. So again, that's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. Simple as that. I will go as far as that. If you guys think it is a little bit much during Black History Month to see somebody getting beat with 10 lashes, you know, um, that's your that's your honest opinion. And that's your feeling. And I'm not going to say you're wrong with that. But at the same time, try to look at it from the other side as well, because I'm looking at it from that side. And I can totally see it. I can totally get it. I, that's why I can't say you're fucking wrong. Now, with that being said, AEW overall, this week's Dynamite wasn't bad. It's it's not like it was a horrible show. There was those those two things that stuck out that that stuck out. But you know. It fucking happened. The SCU and Best Friends. That was a good fucking match, man. You can't you can't argue that. The beginning with Moxley and Ortiz with fucking uh, Inner Circle up there in commentary booth uh, was fucking good as well. Especially the ending when Mox is like eye for an eye, you know. And then every, oh, okay, everyone get down there, get down there, get down there. And then of course they get down there a little bit late. You know, Mox was using the same the car keys for the car that uh, Jericho gave him uh, to join the inner circle. So it's will well-rounded storytelling that brought it all together, that kept it all together. And that is the reason why, again, look, Mox is great, man. We've known that since when he was Ambrose in WWE, we thought he was being very underutilized there. And he is just going and going with AEW and doing well, looking like it might be the second AEW champion. 
I'm not gonna, you know, knock AEW for that, but you guys have two huge WWE stars look like they might be carrying your title the first few times. So again, but at the same time, they're the ones that are over. They're the ones that are the, that have the star power that people are going there for the money. So you can't argue it. You know, you couldn't argue when WCW put the uh, title on Hogan because again, that was the money. That was the talk. That was the conversation. Hell, man, NWO was the biggest storyline ever. Granted, written into uh, WCW by WCW, but it started with fucking three WWE guys. Hell, four WWE guys, five WWE guys, six WWE guys. Another man, Virgil, X-Pac. You know, these are people. And then you finally started getting WCW people in there. But again, similar to like what Bullet Club is for New Japan, it was like the outsiders, you know, the Westerners who are in here infiltrating what we have going on, you know, uh, Prince Devitt and Bad Luck Fale. It was like he had his in person there, right, to start it off with. And then you had Anderson and uh, Doc Gallows and everyone's running. And again, it was like it was a club of Westerners, the Tongas and things like people that weren't of of uh, Japanese heritage. So they're the Westerners taking over things. So it makes sense that with the NWO, you had the outside guys. But with this one, with AEW, it's like it kind of sucks, right? Because you kind of want AEW to – I'm fully on board with Jericho as your AEW champion. I think Jericho is he, sure he was made-ish ECW, WCW, but fucking came into his own in WWE, especially at his last run in WWE. Then Jericho went over to New Japan and got them more buys than they had in a very long time. Putting that title on Jericho made more sense than anything in the fucking world to me. And I'm not saying that putting the uh, title on Mox, if Mox takes it off of Jericho, uh, doesn't make sense because of course it makes sense. Mox is one of those over fucking things. We're finally seeing a guy that we've wanted to see utilized properly, utilized properly. So putting that title on him is good. And then you could set up something heel NJF, maybe something, something built in AEW. I would like to see eventually hold that top title because right now you have uh page and Omega holding your tag titles. Uh, Rio is still your AEW women's champion. But again, those aren't the featured featured titles. Those aren't what's going to be taking over your programming. And I would love to see an AEW built guy or an indie built guy that came to AEW fucking run with that AEW championship. I think it'll be a thing of beauty when that finally happens. I'm not saying that Jericho and Moxie are bad calls on this. I'm saying those are smart calls on that. You want your program watched. And they're winning in the ratings by over 200,000 people right now, around 200,000 people uh, versus NXT on Wednesdays. And that's great, especially when Charlotte Flair's showing up on fucking programming for NXT and you're still losing by about 200,000. I get it, man. It's fucking great. AEW is doing something right. It has its dedicated fucking loyal ass fuck I will argue the fuck out of anything you say is wrong fan base. All right. Um, and that's, and they're placating to it and they're doing a great fucking job. I, I'm not going to argue that. I just wish you would get over your inconsistencies with the refereeing. So I can, as an out, as the casual AEW fan will go, all right, I'm in. Now, one of the other things I wanted to get into last week, we talked about it. <clears throat> Pardon me as I take a step. That's a chug, baby. Oh, it was a chug, baby. Um, the Royal Rumble, as we has said, have said, has been one of the top-notch Royal Rumbles in a very long time. 
Definitely one of the best Royal paper Royal Rumble pay-per-views in about a decade. 100% some of the best Royal Rumble matches, men and women, right? Some of your great spots, the way Bianca Belair looked like a fucking goddess, right? The way, I, and again, me, the way Brock Lesnar was a fucking beast in the beginning of the match before the pop of the night was when Drew McIntyre eliminated him after the ricochet low blow. You just sat back and loved it. Now, granted, you can make your bitching statements. Brock Lesnar was too dominant. Uh, Drew McIntyre should not have won, even though he eliminated Brock Lesnar because that's already set up. Sure, whatever. But at the same time, you can't discount what happened and say that sucked because it didn't suck. It may not have been somebody's liking, but no, nobody can say that those matches were fucking horrible. Some can say, some will say the first half of the Royal Rumble was fucking horrible. The other others, like myself, would say it was perfect. Without it, uh, did it get tedious and monotonous? For sure. But of course, Brock has to be Brock. So that elimination, when it happened, made all the fucking sense in the world. So you kind of want to know who had their fucking input in this. We've always talked how Vince McMahon, when his back is against the wall, can put out some of the best programming of anything. You know, his back was against the wall for that SmackDown after the Saudi Arabia show, um, the second Saudi Arabia show last year. And that SmackDown was the best SmackDown we had seen in a decade. And it was spectacular. Still the best SmackDown we've seen since it's been on Fox by fucking far. Way out of the fucking realm of anything that's on that show right now or before it. Um, so you kind of want to know who were the people that put together these rumble matches that have such a strong lasting impression in us for rumble matches that have even happened within the last 10 years. Dave Meltzer made some reports on the agents for the Royal Rumble and he's re he reported that the agents for this year's men's Royal Rumble match were Shane McMahon, Jamie Noble, Abyss, and Lance Storm. Let me say that again. The people who put together the Royal Rumble match for the men were Shane McMahon, Jamie Noble, Abyss, and Lance Storm. Heyman and Lesnar had some input regarding the first half of the match. Obviously, Lesnar will always have input into anything that he is doing. And of course, McMahon was heavily involved with the finish of that match, especially because the finish was rewritten like about an hour before showtime. <clears throat> Because there was much talk about Roman Reigns being the one who went over and then eventually, or even Aleister Black, and then eventually it was Drew McIntyre. So Shane McMahon, Jamie Noble, Abyss, and Lance Storm were the ones that put together a Royal Rumble match, Royal Rumble match, that saw many people at the end of it go, holy fuck, what a great match that was. That match was put together by two guys who were finally brought in Right, Abyss was brought in around the same time Helms, Shane Helms was, like mid last year. Towards the end of last year is when Lance Storm came in uh, after closing down his wrestling school. And Jamie Noble obviously been a part of WWE for quite a long time. And Shane McMahon is Shane McMahon. Those four guys got together and put together a match that at the end of it you were like, fuck yes, it capped off a, capped off a pay-per-view that many believe is the best Royal Rumble in the last decade, if not longer. So you got to give your hats off to Shane McMahon, Jamie Noble, 
Abyss and Landstorm because fuck, man, they did it. And it's also showing a lot of, um, I I guess I want to say, uh, credibility to people outside of the Vince Vince McMahon, right? Sure, Vince had his part in the ending of it, but this, that Rumble had to be put together like that. Uh, make a whole bunch of things connect from previous weeks, and not suck and those four guys did a great job so you have to give your hats off to Shane McMahon, Jamie Noble, Abyss and Lance Storm so then you go alright well who put the women's match together man who who started off with Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair and had Belair and Bliss go for a while with Belair looking like a fucking beast beast mode looking really strong putting her over and of course Shayna Baszler coming in at number 30 and still eliminating 8 people to tie Belair's eliminations um, so still making her strong, even from a final fucking standpoint in there and then even have Charlotte Flair go over, which we'll get into following this. The agents for the women's Royal Rumble match are reportedly, again, this is all from Melter. This is not 100% true, but awesome to think about Michael P.S. Hayes, who's been with WWE for a very long time is one of those, uh, bookers. Tyson Kidd, man. Tyson fucking Kidd. Adam Pierce and Mickey James. Yeah. Mickey fucking James, man. You know that name. She is running things. Uh Booker standpoint. You know, Adam Pierce, uh, that's a name that you may know from uh, He's currently a producer, but he is a five time NWA world heavyweight champion. Uh, PWG World Heavyweight Champion, NWA British uh, Commonwealth Heavyweight Champion. He's a member of the NWA Hall of Fame. So if you guys don't know uh, Adam Pierce, go check him out, man. Um, he's been around, bro. He's been around. So, again, Michael P.S. Hayes, Tyson Kidd, Adam Pierce, and Mickey James. Uh, Apparently, Triple H had a little bit of input on it in, on the day of the event to help the match flow a little bit better. And that's awesome. That's great. That's fine. But when you're mainly working with these other four people, again, you got to give them their fucking props. So outside of Shane McMahon and uh, for the men and outside of Triple H's small input on the – well, uh, flow input on the women's, it was – Regular producers, man. People just going ahead and putting forward into it. That's fucking amazing. That's spectacular. It's uh, it's something that you want to see and it gives you hope for the future for WWE. Now, again, <clears throat> the close of that match for the women saw Charlotte Flair coming out on top. And, you know, we stated, look, man. If this is leading to Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, I'm in for it. Seeing Charlotte uh, interrupt that match at NXT TakeOver Portland, costing uh, Bianca maybe the match or something like that, so she gets Rhea at WrestleMania, was one of the ways to go. And thought I thought, personally, that was a good way to pull the fucking trigger. You have time to build. Charlotte can keep playing the heel leg. And I'm going to announce it uh, when I'm ready to. Well, Charlotte came out on Monday, and she was doing that. And she said, well, I've beaten Becky, I've beaten Bailey, I've run all these championships. And then 
Rhea comes out and she's like, but you haven't faced me. You haven't beaten me. Have you? You haven't fought for this championship in a while. And again, you're like, oh, man, are you guys blowing your load a little bit too fast on this? And then Charlotte shows up on Wednesday and accepts, albeit a good fucking scenario between uh, Bianca, Charlotte, and Rhea. Nice little takeaway, good promo, you know, pushing away uh, Bianca Belair and everything. And then finally Rhea Ripley going, uh, we have a saying around here, uh, this is NXT. And then both ganging up on Charlotte to even possibly bring this to a triple threat match at WrestleMania, which I'm also okay with. Wasn't even something I was fully thinking about last week. I mean, we kind of said it could happen if you finish the, if there's a wonky finish to the NXT TakeOver Portland match for the NXT championship. Uh, well, championship. And then you have that become a three-way. That was a possibility, but the only real thought was Charlotte versus Rhea. And now it could be Charlotte, Bianca, and Rhea, especially after NXT Portland, because now it's looking more like more than anything that next Sunday, Charlotte's going to be getting fucking involved in that match, especially after what happened on NXT this week. We have, obviously, to see what's coming up on the, uh, the next version of NXT. But is WWE blowing their load a little bit too fast on Charlotte, going for the NXT championship. And to that, I say yes. While I do enjoy the story building that was on Raw and the story building that was on NXT, keeping Charlotte running her mouth about things, regardless if the internet is saying, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. Charlotte has the right to do what the fuck she wants. Charlotte can say, oh, yeah, Becky, I'm taking you on. Just kidding. Now I'm going to take and then she'll show up on SmackDown. And then during the match at TakeOver next week, boom, fucking shows up and costs that match. And then she has a real pick, right? Like, you could have done this a couple different ways. And I'm not saying this is bad how WWE is doing. I just wish this kind of went a little bit longer. Me personally, I would have loved to see a build because while you had that immediate Drew McIntyre, I'm fucking in and I'm taking on Brock Lesnar. Fuck yeah. You can have Charlotte, you know, last longer. There's been Royal Rumble winners. I'm to take my headphones off. There's been Royal Rumble winners that have literally waited until the pay-per-view finish after the Royal Rumble, because there was the Royal Rumble, the pay-per-view in between Royal Rumble, whatever it was. Sometimes it was No Way Out, other uh, ones. Uh, wait until after that pay-per-view till they see who the fucking champion was. And then that's with the brand split, right? Obviously, you won the Royal Rumble. You had to take on the champion. And that was always like, but well, who is the champion? You know, I think... uh as a matter of fact, it was Rock Austin at uh, 17. Rock wasn't even the champion until the pay-per-view before uh, WrestleMania. <clears throat> so there's many ways that you could have played this. And now that you're showing that the Royal Rumble winner can go and face a champion in NXT, it fucking changes the goddamn game, doesn't it? Because now you can pick a champion no matter where the fuck you want to go. And I also wouldn't have minded, what if Charlotte would have been like, okay, I want to take on uh, the fucking United States champion. What? Uh, the North American champion. What? Like, that would have been kind of crazy. But obviously, you're probably not going to see that in WWE for a little bit. So I wish they would have held off a little bit 
at least until a decision until the fucking end of takeover Portland or the middle of takeover Portland. Um, however they wanted to do it, but they didn't. And I'm, I'm not mad about this build. Also on NXT, you saw the return of Velveteen motherfucking dream, baby. As the Undisputed Era were beating the shit out of uh, Tommaso Ciampa, the fucking lights go out. Tron lights up, and you see it goes to, what did it say, 2.05.20, whatever the day was that it was on. And then it was in, all of those numbers were circled, and then all of a sudden the numbers went away, and the circles went into the normal Velveteen, Velveteen Dream sunglasses. And then it's uh, bathed in fucking uh, purple lighting. It was Velveteen Dream on top of the fucking turnbuckle. And he jumped off and he attacked the Undisputed Era. And it was a fucking awkward as shit. Fucking. I'm going to fight for my life to not beat up, be beat up by four different guys. Because they kept going. And it was just like the Velveteen Dream was hitting with these fucking strikes that were like, that's not going to fucking send anyone flying. It was weird, man. It was really, really, really weird. I was not a fucking fan of that type of return. Like, if Ciampa would have gotten involved in stop helping stop, at least then it's like two on four, so it wouldn't have looked as awkward because then Velveteen Dream would have been able to lay in shots. And again, he didn't need to be stiff, but fuck, man. Make it look more than like a push. Send a dude flying. I'm sorry, a light push. Send a dude flying when that light push was supposed to be a punch. It was awkward, but still at the end of it, Velveteen Dream ripping off the tights that he had on uh, to show that he had a second pair of tights on that had Marina Shafir, Roddy and Marina's son and him. And on the back said, call me Marina. Velveteen Dream does that amazingly, dude. Like he, his tights always have a major role in all of this stuff has been in all of these takeovers and it was great that was it was a good finish to a real awkward fucking segment and i was again velveteen dream he's back awesome him versus roddy that's fine if you if that's the road you want to go especially if it's for nxt portland we'll find out more about that next week on nxt obviously um so yeah nxt was good AEW was good. If I had to judge and tell you which one I like better, um, I'm actually going with AEW this week because NXT was good, but that man, that finish was just so weird and awkward. And the Undisputed Era just, you know, roaming around like that. I'm officially over Matt Riddle. I I know we've talked about this before, and there's a lot of people that are surprised. I just, uh, bro, the, the Spicoli fucking character, I, I'm over it. I really, I don't get it maybe because I don't smoke weed. <laughs> you know um so yeah i thought AEW was a little bit better this week outside of that one ref problem i thought that AEW was built uh their storylines and kept more credible each each of them while this wasn't bad you know on the story like again man it's it's fucking picking it's pulling strings uh pulling straws uh nitpicking all this stuff which one is better it's like a 10 versus a 9.9 why is it better it's like it's fucking close it's really fucking close but if i had to take a personal pick this week i am saying i thought AEW was just a tad fucking bit better than NXT now that being said man um Let's talk about the flipping of Raw and SmackDown. And when flipping, I say, I mean, 
Raw kind of went from the worst fucking show of the week to one of the most entertaining shows of the week, damn near overnight. It's like Drew won, and then Raw was great. Um... Brock Lesnar's been featured on every fucking Raw in the month of January and now every Raw in the month of February. He's been on every 2020. You've seen Brock Lesnar, whether it be for a quick little, I'm a fuck you up ricochet because you just won to face me at fucking Saudi Arabia for this WWE championship versus I'm going to come out and fucking attack Drew McIntyre who's talking shit to the prep of everything going into the Royal Rumble. Raw went from shit to good, damn near great at times. You know, uh, and that's an amazing testament to Paul Heyman, who has been writing it. And we don't know what level of involvement Vince McMahon has into Raw, but we do know that when you're watching Raw, you're like, holy shit, can't fucking wait. Um, they're trying to gain intrigue into this fucking Saudi Arabia show, which sucks, man, because man, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, fuck the Saudi Arabia shows. It's, I'm not going to support it. It's something that just my personal beliefs. I can't do it. I can't say, Oh yeah. All right. I'll give it a look. I can't do that, you know, but fuck Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet doesn't seem like it's a bad fucking match, man. Cause Brock versus these smaller quick guys that move around and stuff like that. Fuck, Brock puts one of the fucking best matches on no matter what. To the point where John Cena said he was the best performer of our generation. <clears throat> we didn't get into that last week. I'm not really going to get into it this week. But, eh, you know. So, Raw looked good this week, you know, with Rey Mysterio defeating Angel Garza after the Garza, Humber, uh, you know, VDQ. But after Garza and uh, Carrillo, uh, we're going back and forth. You know, Selena Go- uh, Vega Gomez, Selena Gomez, you know, Selena Gomez, Selena Vega looking, Selena Vega looking amazing as a heel manager. Just, oh, well, Andrade's out for this. Well, I'm going to bring in Garza and we're going to keep this going. You know, uh, the Randy Orton promo to kick off Raw where he didn't really, ah, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, ooh, I, don't uh, I can't do this. Fucks off. That's so good. It was such a good way to open up Raw. One of the fucking best ways. Like, come on, man. Outside of did did or that or did it not make you think of what the fucking Raw after WrestleMania when Roman comes out after quote unquote retiring Undertaker? Didn't that it just had that feel right? Like fucking talk, but we don't want you to talk. But talk, but fuck, fuck you. And oh, so good. Uh, the final match, Seth Rollins, Lashley, and uh, Ricochet facing each other to see who is face- taking on Brock Lesnar at uh, WWE Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. Another good fucking match, especially with a little fuck ending to it, man. Look, Raw is doing something we haven't seen Raw do in a very long time, and that's be the fucking top show. And it's crazy to think about because SmackDown for the last couple years has always been the show to watch and be like, man, that just was way better than Raw. I just love watching it. It was way better than Raw. SmackDown has its moments, but it's not what Raw is right now. Raw's putting out top-notch programming. Regardless if you find things bad about it, I found things bad about NXT. I found things bad about AEW. I've found, you know, Ruby Riot come back and attack Liv Morgan. 
fucking would have liked to see her as another face to take on all these heels and stuff. But whatever. Whatever. Keeping this going with Lana and Liv, apparently. Um, there's things you can find wrong in any show. But when the good is really good, that outweighs the bad so much. And that's what Raw's doing. Raw's giving us more... To quote the McMahon family in December 2018, they're giving us more of what we want and less of what we don't. <laughs> and that's good, man. It's, it's, it's again, making you want to watch these shows, keep invested into these shows, make you feel like you need to watch next week when you're doing weekly episodic programming, you want to have it end in a way, or even have certain things leave you as cliffhangers in a way to where you need to see what happens the next week. It was easier for them when it was one brand, right? When it was raw to Sm- raw and SmackDown were one thing. And then you could capitalize on what happened on raw and SmackDown uh, and have SmackDown feature some more of a little bit of the mid card stuff. And then boom, you go back to raw the next week. Now you have one show each, right? One show a week. That's what you have. And with that, you are setting up things in a good way. And that's all you can ask for, man. It's all you can fucking ask for. I want the majority of the things set up in a good way to where I want to watch them, to where I'm intrigued, to where I'm paying attention. And Raw basically did that overnight. Raw went from like the worst fucking show of the week to one of the top shows of the week. Not the top yet, because, again, I'm still fucking loving NWA power. I still think it's beautiful. Um, But Raw is climbing. It's not the worst fucking thing in the week. You can't go, well, Raw sucked this week again. That's normal. Raw is something to pay attention to. Raw is something to look at. Raw is something that you can talk with your friends about. The day after, like, oh, fucking that Randy promo. I'm getting text messages from friends that are like, oh, that fucking Randy promo. Dude, the way that fucking uh, Drew McIntyre won, you know, and talked, and the way that fucking that match. I'm getting that now rather than, man, Raw was just fucking shit because you're lumping it all into this one fucking thing. But now you're getting taught, now things are being talked about more, and that's great. That's wonderful. That's what you want to see because wrestling should not be an automatic write off. Your wrestling show shouldn't be an automatic write-off. Because if it is, it's bad for the business. And that sounds cliche as fuck, but it's true. WCW, when it was going under, was an automatic write-off. You weren't watching it anymore. So that's why Raw was killing them in the ratings. WCW wasn't putting out anything you really wanted to pay attention to. Hence, WCW went away. ECW was losing its people consistently because they couldn't afford to pay. Again, those guys still love Paul, and that's not a knock on Paul. But man, when you're putting out a a product that people are just aren't paying attention to and you can't pay the bills, you start losing people, and it sucks. ECW and WCW went under, and while WWE was strong for a couple years after that, it eventually went the way of what we were dealing with at WWE a couple years ago. Just fucking bland, boring material. 
There needs to be alternatives. There needs to be things that you're paying attention to outside of one specific thing. And right now, Raw is coming back into a way that we have wanted Raw to be for a very long time. And I'm very happy with that, which means it's creating more competition, more viewership, more people are talking about wrestling in a positive way. The wrestling shows in a positive way rather than just shitting all over it in the first 15, 20, 30 fucking minutes or an hour. That's a good thing. I want this trend to continue, and that means I also want it to continue for fucking SmackDown, because even SmackDown has been becoming a problem lately. I don't want to say a problem, right? But let's look at this week's SmackDown. SmackDown had been built as this show that had the return of Goldberg. Goldberg was coming to SmackDown to tell you who was next, and Goldberg got mic'd up at home. Now they didn't say Goldberg was going to be there live. Or did they? I don't remember from the vignettes and the promos. But you're watching Ron, you got really excited for SmackDown because it said Goldberg was going to be there. I wonder how many more people bought tickets because they thought Goldberg was going to be there and then Goldberg showed up on the screen. That's kind of a slap in the fans' face. You you made many if not everybody thought Goldberg was going to be in a SmackDown ring to announce who was next. And instead it was a video package announcing that he was going to take on the fiend at super showdown for the blue universal championship guys, girls, men, children, ladies, women. That's kind of a kick in your dick, right? Especially if you're the one attending. Like if you were like how many more people attended because they thought they were going to see Goldberg. That's where things went awry. Now, granted, is that on SmackDown or is it on the promotion style of WWE? It's on the promotion style of WWE. Was Goldberg unable to attend because of weather stuff? Maybe. I don't know. Was he ever supposed to be live in ring? I don't know. But. A lot of people thought he was going to be, myself included, and instead you got a fucking video vignette, uh, video board vignette with him and The Fiend, which was, all right, it's not bad, but it's not what you wanted. Seamus going through Apollo Crews and Shorty G, it's getting kind of boring. Roman Reigns and fucking uh, Baron Corbin again, like, man, last week was the fucking dog food, bro. It's it's over. I'm done with this. So much. I'm so over it. Um, the Daniel Bryan and Heath Slater thing was good. Elias versus Cesaro was good. Uh, the f- ending of it where the women were fighting to see who was going to be taking on Bailey was good. I'm all right with Carmella getting a shot at it. It's kind of fodder. Drink. To watch Bailey walk into uh, WrestleMania to possibly take on Naomi there. Because, man, the fans pop for Naomi. And it's everything raw. (laughs) Sounds so weird to say, right? Everything Raw was, SmackDown wasn't. SmackDown had moments of good, but it didn't have an overall feeling of good. 
you know, the fucking workout vignette, 80 style workout vignette for Otis and Tucker. fucking <laughs> spectacular. The dirt sheet with Miz and Morrison. Fucking great. Uh, with that trailer that had Lance Storm in it and Mrs. Dad, right? It's it's moments of great just don't outweigh with the bad that is going on on SmackDown. Uh, and again, it's not like SmackDown's a shit show. That's the thing. Like you can go in there st- still finding really good things to where you sit back there and go, okay, it's above average. It's it's all right. It's good. It's pretty good. But you're not going shit, dude. I can't wait to watch SmackDown next week. Because I can't, I can, I can wait to watch SmackDown next week. I don't, I don't need to sit on the edge of my seat going, what the fuck's going to happen? I'm just sitting here on my seat going, let's see where they go with this. That won't be bad. I really think they got to get away from this Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns thing. It's, it's, you are doing right now to Corbin and Reigns what was going on with Roman when you were first shoving him down our throats and that first time uh, that Corbin was getting that heel run. It's it's not heel heat. Corbin had great heel heat. Now he's starting to get that. This whole fucking program starting to become go away heat. You know, last week uh, someone put out on Twitter, it was like, hey, what do you think of the dog food on Baron Corbin? As a finish, as uh, the end of SmackDown, I was like, look, man, if this actually finishes that fucking feud, I'm okay with it. Fucking be done with it because that's it got brought in. You had to use it to get out of it. Let's move on. Let's find something else. Roman versus something. Roman in an elimination chamber uh, match. To Obviously, Roman's got to be at uh, Super Showdown. It doesn't have to be against Corbin, man. And it can be against some. He can lose. I just I don't know, bro. I really don't know. But this fucking feud has to, it has to stop being pushed just to be pushed. Um, ladies and gents, I want you to pay attention to our Instagram. Uh, I really want to put this out there. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about. Obviously quick show. Uh, Pay attention to our Instagram because right now at BDR cast on Instagram, uh, we are doing the 29 different African-American wrestlers uh, for each day in Black History Month. Now, that sounds like patronage or uh, that's not patronage. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, It may sound like we're just putting this out there to get views on our Instagram, but I wanted to do something different this black history month. And so this does not involve anyone on this show. It was going to involve Smitty, but Smitty unfortunately had extenuating circumstances to where he could not, uh, commit to this. So our good friend, Walt, I wanted to find someone. If it wasn't Smitty, it was going to be, uh, someone else. Another African-American friend of mine, black guy is Walt. He's my best fucking friend. Uh, period. And I said, Hey man, this is what I need. I want a different wrestler each day, but a reason why they're important to you specifically. I'm not trying to go, Hey, this is what this guy did for wrestling. I don't, I don't give it like we all can talk and beat a dead horse about what people have done and given to the business. But what did this person do for you? And because it's Black History Month and it's a leap year, you get 29, you get an extra fucking day, right? And 
That sound that sounds like you're just oh you're an extra day. No, it's it's so that means there's 29 different wrestlers that different African American wrestlers that have made an impact on somebody in a personal way. And that's what I asked Walt. I was like, I want you to find 29 different African men, women, all this stuff. Um Bear, I'll get to your question in a second. If you guys, anyone else has questions, we can keep this show going. I don't give a shit. Um, 29 African-American wrestlers that touched, uh, that made an impact on Walt's life in a specific way and to write that up. So if you go to our Instagram, at BDRcast right now, we have the first eight. We're going to be posting uh, the ninth one today. Obviously, it's February 9th. Uh, The first one is Ron Simmons. Mark Henry is number two. Kofi Kingston, number three. Uh, R-Truth, number four. Jay Lethal, number five. Xavier Woods, number six. Junkyard Dog, number seven. And Coco Beware, number eight. Walt's getting uh, another round of them to me. And we will uh, have number nine posted later today. And these are all in different ways why they mean something to Walt. And like I said, I could have done this. Z could have done this. Nick could have done this. Joe could have done this, but it doesn't mean as much, uh, coming from white dudes, man. Like, let's be very fucking honest. No matter fucking what, there isn't a single white person that will understand anything that an African American does to Africa to see themselves represented. Right. That's why Kofi's win at WrestleMania was so fucking huge. It's sure the rock was the, in my eyes, the first African-American WWE champion, right? But it mattered so much more to watch a guy who came from Africa win the WWE championship. And after 11 years of struggle to overcome it, because it kind of also seemed like rock was kind of gifted in to the WWE, right? It's, you know, his lineage, his father, his grandfather. Kofi had no fucking history, man. Kofi just struggled for 11 years. And then finally, uh, I know bear, I know I have more African-American friends, but I says it wasn't open for everyone. I just wanted, boom, this month, give me 29 people, do all that. <laughs> um, so, that's why I have Walt taking care of it, doing it, because it's just someone that I knew I had access to right away. It's not a knock on any of them. <laughs> um, so, yes, I will never understand fully the struggles, the what it means to uh, feel proper representation, so on and so forth. Uh, Mr. Brooks, we do our show out from in the Detroit area, uh, Royal Oak specifically, the outskirts, uh, suburbs of Detroit. So, yes, Walt's writing up 29 different wrestlers, one for each day. Um, and that's bad. That's kind of why I wanted to do it because it's uh, it's it's more of uh, him having to you know, help 29 different perspectives specifically and hopefully not getting any, oh, I wanted to do this one. Oh, I wanted to do that one. Oh, shit. Fuck. You know, then it's like who's picking who? I just, hey, man, pick 29 people and go with it. Now, uh, good friend Bear – Asked in the beginning, he's he's actually asked earlier, he's like, I don't know if it's been talked about, but should WWE induct all 
NWO members into the Hall of Fame. And I personally feel no, they shouldn't. There are certain people that made a real impact in NWO. X-Pac ain't fucking one of them, man. Really isn't, dude. Like, if you're telling me, like, when WWE's like, ah, the four original members of the NWO are going to be in, it's like, no. X-Pac was number six. You had Million Dollar Man and Virgil were four and five. X-Pac is not fucking on there. Uh... Uh, no, the Detroit shipping company, we are not, we are in the, the Royal Oak one. Uh, so X-Pac is not a fucking, uh, original four NWO member. When you're pushing at that, you're kind of fucking spitting on million dollar, spitting in the face of million dollar man and Virgil because they were a part of it. If you're asking me which members of the NWO I actually feel should be inducted, the first three and Bischoff. Right? That's that's my thought process on this, man. You get Hogan, you get Hall, you get Nash, and you get Bischoff because those are the four that made the uh that made the NWO. It was Bischoff's fucking idea whether he took it from someone or not. He made NWO because it's fucking huge. Bischoff, Hogan, Hall, Nash. Those are the four. If you're going to put in four for NWO, four life. Those are the four you fucking put in. X-Pac is being thrown a fucking major bone. X-Pac is becoming a two-time WWE Hall of Famer because he's in these fucking groups. I don't... Look, because you added Road Dog, Billy Gunn, you obviously had... And China, you obviously had to add X-Pac to the DX induction. There's no fucking reason X-Pac has to be a part of this NWO induction at all in any way, shape, or form. You're throwing a bone to a guy who will never touch the Hall of Fame for any other reason than the fact that he was involved in these two iconic factions. I don't hate X-Pac, but him being in the Hall of Fame, I think, is stupid. Like, if you're going to throw him the bone for the DX, fine. I understand that. Throwing him a fucking second one is ignorant as shit. Especially because he didn't really make a fucking headway into the NWO. I'm going to look it up right now. NWO members, right? And I'm going to tell you exactly how fucking long X-Pac was in the NWO. And do, 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 do. F- sorry, uh, Big Show was in there before X Pac. X Pac was in NWO. Okay, he was in there for a little while. Uh, he was six then. He joined in. Okay, he jo- September 16, 96. He was then injured in October of 97, and then he was fired from WCW in 98. So, Scott, let, let's, let's, go, let's go with this, man. <laughs> yes, Xbox is fucking <laughs> overrated as fuck. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan. Those are your first three, right? Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase joined August 26, 1996. And he accompanied the NWO until April 97. 
Big Show, the giant as he was in WCW, September 2nd, 1996. There's the NWO Sting that joined on September 9th, 96. And then X-Pac, as known, known as Six, joined September 16th, 1996. So, one, two, three people. X-Pac is the seventh member of the NWO. He's not the founding four. Big Show is even getting screwed in this situation, which I find fucking insulting. Big Show was a fucking enforcer on that. You know? Uh, Virgil joined September 23rd officially. Miss Elizabeth on September 30th. Bischoff was announced as the guy uh, majorly involved November 18th. Like, Like number 10. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, Bischoff was number 10. Bischoff should be in this fucking Hall of Fame. Bischoff, Hall, Hanash, Hogan. If that's the way you're going to go, that's all that fucking matters. Dusty Rhodes was in the NWO briefly. Uh, Steiner obviously was in there. Um, Scott Norton, Masahiro Chono, Savage, Muda, Conan, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude. A bunch of fucking people were in the NWO. It became very convoluted and very fucking annoying. But at the same time, there was originally a build where it was supposed to be WCW versus NWO. It was going to be a split. And that would have been cool. But it didn't go that way. And then it just became fucking overpopulated. So the NWO, as far as I'm concerned, again, Hall, Nash, Hogan, Bischoff. That's it. That's your, that's your four. That's who you fucking put it. And I'm telling you, Bischoff needs to be in there. He doesn't just need to fucking induct them. He doesn't need to induct them. Right? I mean, if you're going to use him, if you're not going to put him in, you better have him induct them. But I think Bischoff should be a part of this Hall of Fame. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that's fucking it for me. It's been about an hour on this show, and that's good. We talked about AEW's flaws, why I thought AEW is better than NXT this week. Uh, I still feel that uh, the Charlotte thing is a little bit too early, but I'm not upset about the way it's going about. She's challenging, uh, when challenging Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, Raw is definitely being better than SmackDown right now. SmackDown has some has some catching up to do, but again, I feel very confident in the future of WWE. When they have real competition, they tend to be fucking badasses. So that being said, uh, yeah. Yeah, every week someone else. And that's right. And then eventually it just became too much for the NWO, everyone that was in there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am fucking out. Remember, please pay attention to our Instagram, at BDRcast. Follow that for every day. Another uh, African-American wrestler uh, for Black History Month. Uh, We really want to showcase how these affected uh, friends of uh, a friend personally rather than just what they've done for the industry like everyone else is doing. We want to do something different. So thank you again so much for watching. BreakingDownTheRing.com. You guys can hit us up for all of our merch. we got some hats coming soon, man. Uh, within the next week, you're going to be able to purchase a BDR hat, Breaking Down The Ring, or the BDR logo. Uh, it can be on a hat of your choosing. Uh, so yeah, BreakingDownTheRing.com. That'll also take you to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can follow all of us on all of that stuff. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for paying attention. And we are out.